Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You guys have been real careful in this camp, just making sure everybody's ramped up the right way, making sure there's not unnecessary danger to any of your players. Uh, how does that apply to Justin on, on Saturday? You have to be smart with the kinds of plays uh, that you call in there, given that it's, it's live bullets. For the first um, you're always mindful of that, certainly with your uh, starting quarterback, you know, and, uh, you know, who's the line in front of him. You're always mindful of that and uh, what types of plays, you know, so we're always discussing that. But uh, he's going he's gonna to be in there playing. With Kenny being so young, does he need maybe more reps or more work in the preseason than a veteran quarterback would? Yes. <laughs> you don't know how much more he had that stall to be Um we, We'll play by ear. We'll, we'll give him what he needs. Um, it's always my mentality. Um, I'm open to all that are healthy. Playing how much they play um, will be determined by what it is they need for it to be a, be a productive step in the process for them a week. And then we'll deal with next week, next week. A couple of coaches talking about a couple of second-year quarterbacks. Third year for Justin Fields. Feels like second year. Second year for Kenny Pickett. And we've seen some greatness from both of them, at least flashes of it. Not an overabundance. More from Fields. Fields, most dangerous runner at the quarterback position in the NFL by far. The question is, how much more can they balance out running and passing? With the Steelers, it's, what do we have in Kenny Pickett? Check the box, looked the part, had a couple of concussions last year. Team got better down the stretch. They had that whole Mitch Trubisky started the season thing. This year, it's his team. It's his time. And now we just set about, for both guys, Chris, finding out what the ceiling is. What are these guys going to be? Where are they going to settle in? What is their range going to be on the Chris Sims top 40 in coming years? Is it 5 to 10? Is it 10 to 15? 15 to 20? 1 to 5? Who knows? This is the process for both guys this year in figuring out where they're going to settle in in relation to other quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, uh, no question. Big year for Kenny Pickett. You know, maybe even bigger for Justin Fields because you know you said right. There's there's the athleticism, the running. It's special. 
but there's another part of his game that certainly needs to take another major step, I think, for the Bears to get over the hump. Kenny Pickett, you know, on the other hand, we saw execution of the offense and all of that and great decision maker and can even get out of the pocket and do some things there, you know, for a pocket passer, make some plays. But the thing I think we want to see from him is I want to see some big plays in the pass game. I want to see the ball go down the field. You know, last year there was all this talk about Mitch Trubisky doesn't throw the ball down the field, and then Kenny Pickett got in the, the game, and they threw the ball shorter than when Mitch Trubisky was in there. So, And that's not just because of Kenny Pickett. That's where, hey, Kenny Pickett, do they have the right support around him now to let him show you know, his ability to throw the ball down the field. They certainly got the receivers to strike downfield. We know that. But, Mike, the thing we've talked about the last two or three years with the Steelers is the offensive line worth a damn that they can actually protect him so Deontay Johnson can, you know, get open on a 50-yard post route. And that's the big thing. Does Isaac Siomolo look the part at left guard? How much better does he make them? The battle at left tackle, they got the first rounder there in Broderick Jones. Does he win that? How much better can they be in that department to be more explosive and then get Najee Harris going, who you brought up yesterday, who we need to see more from, quite frankly, as, as far as a first-round running back? Pickett had 47 throws of 20 or more yards down the field, third fewest behind Dak Prescott and Kyler Murray. And then this is quarterbacks who took at least 50% of the snaps. And Pickett had 12% of his passes go 20 yards or longer. Mitch Trubisky had 17% during the time that he was playing. So get the ball down the field. Get it to George Pickens. That's what I want to see. And I don't know how much of that we're going to see in the preseason because I don't know how much time they're both going to be on the field. But – I've seen enough from George Pickens Yeah, to put him in the category of if he's covered, he's still not covered. <laughs> yeah, You got to have two guys on George Pickens before I'm going to consider not throwing it to him. And even then, there's a chance he's still going to go get it. But we've seen enough from Pickens to know you just got to get that guy the ball. Yeah. Just get him the ball. And I want to see if Pickett is willing. You know, you got to make those decisions. You're processing a lot of things. Right. I'd like to throw to the guy who's open. I think he needs to redefine what open means with George Pickens. Open means covered by one guy. Well, George Pickens is still open. Yeah, yeah, no, and those are the things you learn in camp. Like, right, you know, here he is, George Pickens. He's running the 20-yard in cut. Ooh, he's not really open. But one day you make a, hey, it's one-on-one. All right, I got to throw it somewhere. It's a one-on-one drill. You throw the in cut and you go, he's covered, but I'm going to throw this high and kind of inside and let's just see if he can go get it. Oh, damn, he can get, he can get it. Whoa, okay, and, and to your point, that's kind of how you grow the confidence in going, hey, he's covered, but he's, he's not covered when he's one-on-one. You know, the Pickens is, like you said, he's a number one receiver. He's got that type of talent. The thing I want to see from Pickens is, let, you, you laid it out, right? I know he can do the jump ball and all that. I want to see, can he catch a slant and make somebody miss and run for a lot of yards after it? Those are the things we didn't see quite a, enough of in, in year one. But, man... You, you get Pickens on the outside, Deontay Johnson on the outside, and you got um, Allen Robinson working the middle. That's pretty damn good. Friermuth working the middle, the tight end. Oh, wait, we bring two tight ends in, and now if they can get that old line going with Friermuth and then big-ass Darnell Washington, who they drafted from Georgia, who's going to be almost like an extra tackle in the game when they run the ball. You know, those are things I'm – can, can Mike Tomlin and company get back to being physical and dominating the line of scrimmage, therefore opening up some big plays for these guys on the outside? 
And the other thing about George Pickens that makes him more of an intriguing figure for me, and this is going to help us transition to our next team to talk about, the Chicago Bears. Yeah. It's Pittsburgh's experience with Chase Claypool. Yeah. Because a couple of years ago, it's like, they got something special here in Chase Claypool. Why aren't they throwing it to him more? Why aren't they using him more? What's going on here? What don't we know about Chase Claypool that's causing the Steelers to not use him the way they could, the way they should, and now he's in Chicago? So it makes me kind of lean forward even more with George Pickens to see how it's going to play out. Are they going to take full advantage of this special talent that they've found? They've got a knack for finding great players at the receiver position in the draft. But, man, with Claypool, we got to start asking, do they know how to use? Do they know how to develop? Sure. Do they know how to cultivate a talent like that? Or is it wasted in the Pittsburgh offense? That's why it's more of a pressing question for me with Pickens because it never came to fruition the way it could have with Claypool. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And that, that's certainly something to question. You know, I think the, some of the problems we discussed already – uh, the offensive line, not being able to protect, doing stuff like that, that never allowed them to really show Claypool's ability to work downfield and, and be a beast in that category as far as receivers concerned. And then he, I think, seems like from the outside looking, and I don't know this for sure, but, you know, made some comments, talked a little too freely, freely in the media, you know, had a few little issues here and there where it felt like he was a little bit in the in the doghouse or, oh, he's just not mature enough and not handling this like a professional. That's kind of what it seemed like, and I hope that's not the issue with the, with the new team in Chicago. Another example of Mike Tomlin keeping a guy who might be an issue yeah. under control as long as possible until they could pawn him off to another team for what basically was a first-round pick because that second-rounder became pick number 32 in the 2023 draft, and they got Joey Porter Jr. with that selection. So now Chase Claypool – part of the receiving core in Chicago. Matt Eberflus says Justin Fields, the quarterback now entering year three, he's got to get in, He's got to be in there playing in the preseason. What do you specifically look for from Fields who we agree? And I said this earlier, the most dangerous runner at the quarterback position. He's Mike Vick as of right now. And we know that can change in a year or two because you get some wear and tear right now. He's the most dangerous. What do you need to see from him by way of total positional development to allow him to maybe get close to the Chris Sims top five in next year or some year after that. Yeah. It, it, it's all about pocket play with Justin Fields, right? The backyard stuff. He's got that down. You, you, you said it right. But with Justin Fields, it's, you know, consistency and hitting the target, throwing the ball. That's one thing that jumped out to me. And, you know, again, watching back and doing the quarterback rankings is why I love it. I get to watch it back and go, damn, He's too good. You're too good to miss that throw. You can't miss that throw. He's wide open running a 12-yard crosser. We threw it three yards over his head. You know, the, that's what I, the first thing, just being a machine in the, you know, given should be completions in the NFL, right? And then also just where he's looking, the, you know, his eyes. And is he on the right, you know, side of the field? Is he looking to the left? and it's a two-safety defense, and he should be looking to the left? Or did he look to the right first and then go, oh, wait, I'm on the wrong side, let's go back to the left? Or did I hang on to the first receiver too long because I'm waiting for the big play, and now it's too long, and now the second and third receiver who are open, they're not open because I waited too long on the first one. 
those are the things that have come back to bite Justin Fields in the butt. It's all about throwing and pocket play. And that's where Chicago, I'm interested, Mike. They've improved the O-line. They got some weapons at receiver. Running backs are okay. This is the next step. And if I'm them, this would be one team where I, I might think about playing them and really throwing the ball a lot to work out those kinks, right? That, that would be my thought a little bit. Let's throw the ball 20 times. Let's get them used to it because we can't just worry about or think he's going to run all the time in the regular season and we're going to beat all the best teams that way. So this is a way to kind of grow him in that department and then they can infuse that into their final formula when it comes regular season. And, you know, because they got DJ Moore in the trade that moved yeah. the Bears out of the number one spot in the draft, what I'm concerned about is it where there's pressure, be too much pressure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. We've been doing this too long together. Because <laughs> you know exactly where I'm going. Yeah, Does I it hear put you, though. too much it's pressure real. on Justin Fields to stare down DJ Moore. Sure. To throw it to DJ Moore when he's covered. To throw it to him when he's doubled. Because DJ Moore is now the guy. Yeah. And if we're not getting maximum production out of DJ Moore... Why did we trade for him in the first place? Yeah, Why I think we paying that's, him $20 million a year? That's that's where I think the DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, they both get into that conversation a little bit, right? Where it's like, wait, you know, like you said, we traded away a de facto first-round pick and got this guy. We, we, we got to use him. It's pressure on fields. It's pressure on offense. It's the public pressure going to be looking at those moves and evaluating the front office going, wait, are we using these guys? Why did we trade them if we're not using them? And then Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, is going to feel that pressure. In their perfect world, they, want, they should want to be the Philadelphia Eagles and have those type of plays, run the ball. Justin Fields can run the ball. Oh, we're not, we have to worry about stopping the run. Now we got one-on-one -on -one with these freaks on the outside, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith. Can we make, you know... Chase Claypool and 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 DJ Moore, those two type of guys, and start to strike that way. I think that would be their ultimate goal there in Chicago. Speaking of DJ Moore, here is both Moore and Darnell Mooney talking to Peter King on uh, their quarterback Justin Fields. What has this training camp been like for you? Uh, it's been energetic, um, electric. You know, a lot of people, a lot of guys making plays, especially DJ. Um, and uh, with Justin, he's just super confident, and he's uh, bringing that accountability to everybody. So, um, I mean, he's he's our leader, and uh, we appreciate him for that. Give me your early impressions of playing with Justin Field, the Fields, the kind of ball he throws, how he commands the huddle. Give me your thoughts. Uh, it's electric, electrifying. You know, uh, he's young. He's like a sponge, he's wanting to learn, uh, go out there and throw the ball deep, uh, intermediate, short. He just want to make the best choice possible to put us in a possible, the best possible position to win. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. What are we going to see from Fields as a thrower? And this is both a positive and a negative for Fields. I know. Because of what Jalen Hurts did last year. Yeah. We kind of expect Fields to do what Hurts did last year. And that puts undue pressure on Fields because it's not like there was a general consensus that all of a sudden Hurts is going to find a second level, a higher level, right. and become one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, we I wasn't didn't sure. didn't really expect that, yeah. right? Right. 
They didn't so expect now we it. They wouldn't ex- have been trying to trade we, for all the damn quarterbacks if they expected Kyler it. Murray, yeah. Kyler Murray, right. a little Kyler Murray, a little this. Deshaun what? Watson, but, Russell Wilson. Right. Right. But now we kind of expect it from Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and it's not fair to the kid, but it is what it is at this yeah. point. We expect it more from him because we just saw Hurts do it last year. Yeah. No, I, I think it puts, you know, like we talked about with Kenny Pickett and Fields, I think. You know, one, with both of these teams, you want to see the O-line get better. But two, because of the type of weaponry we're discussing with both of those quarterbacks, I think that puts extra pressure on it. You know, Darnell Mooney, what, he tore his ACL last year. I was shocked that he was ready to go and, and no designations for training camp. But, hey, if Darnell Mooney's healthy and you couple him with Chase Claypool and, and DJ Moore – I. I that's a three that is about as potentially dangerous as any three you're going to find in football. I mean, you know, you've heard me wax poetically about Chase Claypool. He's a freak of freaks when you see him in person. DJ Moore would be a household name if he wasn't stuck in Carolina for the start of his career. He is a top five receiver-ish type talent, right? And then Mooney can fly. I mean, he's a deep ball threat. So I think because of that, too, that is going to put more pressure on fields in this situation. And like we're talking about, the fact that they traded away assets to get these guys, I think everybody in that organization on the offensive side of the ball is going to feel the pressure to get those guys you know, going and, and accumulate some yards and sets. NFC North wide open. Any of those teams could win it. We all assume the Lions will. Well, I don't. I don't know. I'm I don't assume that either. Of the NFC North. Yeah. I, I got to think, think about that, it. That, that extra expectations again what have they done in the past 30 years to justify the expectations other than get hot for half of a season and become the darlings of the nfl i'm not ready to anoint anybody in the nfc north the bears could be the team that takes over that division if justin fields becomes the guy that they drafted him to be let's go ahead and take a break which players need to be unleashed in 2023 that's the subject of today's draft we'll do it next here on this thursday edition of pft live Kellen's not really a guy who, you know, put guys in spots and leaves them there. Um, you know, he changes the personnel within the play call. He puts guys where he wants them and, um, you know, what's best for the offense. Uh, with Lombardi, I was stuck at slot kind of the whole time. Um, I'm inside, outside now. We're all kind of inside, outside, playing, playing everything. So. Chargers receiver Keenan Allen talking about the new offense under Kellen Moore. They got to get the ball down the field more with Justin Herbert. Take advantage of his talents. They got some great receivers. They need to use them more. The ball needs to be in the air more. And it sounds like, at least from Keenan Allen's perspective, he's very happy, Chris, about the change in offensive coordinator from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore. Yeah, I mean, he should be. Uh, you know, Kellen Moore, hey, he's, you know, he, he, you look at the track record he had with Dallas as an OC. I mean, those numbers are pretty good. You say what you want. I mean, it's top number one offense, number two offense, number five offense, number six offense. So he should be excited. They've been aggressive throwing the ball down the field with Dak Prescott. That should fit these receivers, that quarterback. And, Mike, it's it's interesting. You know, there was this time where there was no slot receiver, and the slot receiver, of course, became a thing because of the New England Patriots, right? They kind of invented it and took it to another level. Them and Peyton Manning, you know, with Wes Welker and Brandon Stokely, that kind of brought it to a whole other level in the NFL, and every, everybody tried to emulate that. Now we're getting to the point where, you know, the star outside receivers are starting to go, wait, 
I, I want to catch some of those balls in the middle there. I'll start working on those type of routes and getting better at that. And I think we're seeing that jitterbug slot guy might be going away in the NFL because they're just going, wait, Keenan Williams and Mike Williams and, and our other big first round, Quentin Johnson, they can run some of those routes. They're good enough athletes. Why are we pegging it to just some guy who can only do that? And I think that's a kind of a new trend we're going to see in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of the intersection of the traditional slot receiver, but then slipping the tight end out to the slot like a Jimmy Graham. Yeah, there you, you go. You take the big receiver sure. from the outside to the inside, and you can do a lot more damage in there, like a Juju Smith-Schuster, like a DeAndre Hopkins. Right, like a Michael Thomas there for a while. Right, yeah. right, exactly right. All right, so given the possibility that Keenan Allen will be unleashed in 2023 in the Kellen Moore offense today's draft, who should be? unleashed in the upcoming regular season this can go a bunch of different directions offensive defensive even special teams if you would like even coaching if you would like chris you're up well i'm, I'm gonna start i think right away with a guy that i think is gonna unleash this guy for sure eric b that's right damn good tough hard nosed football coach eric b right who wants the best from his players and he knows what it takes to win a Super Bowl and be the best offense in football, Jahan Dotson, right? Their first-round pick from Penn State last year. He dealt with some injuries uh, during the season for his rookie year, showed some flashes. But I think if you know this offense is going to turn the corner, Sam Howell is going to be the guy, they need to unleash another guy other than Terry McLaurin. We know that. And this is might be... You know, just the right time. Year two, offense that knows how to get the ball down the field. Sam Howell's a pretty good down-the-field thrower. They unleash him and get him to up to a Terry McLaurin-type level. Man, that offense will be tough to defend. Sometimes my draft picks are influenced by a desire to talk about as many different players as possible. Yeah, we can I get in you. the allotted two hours we have. Sometimes I say, I don't care if we've already talked about this guy today, <laughs> George Pickens. They got to unleash George Pickens in Pittsburgh. I can't not start this draft with the guy that I'm watching. We're all watching. He makes spectacular catches. He puts guys on their asses when he's blocking because he's channeling his frustration that he doesn't get the ball on every play. He would throw the ball to himself on every play. I want to see, will the Steelers do what they should do? Go full Randy Moss with this guy. Get him the ball anytime, anyplace, anywhere. Design plays to get the ball in his hands. Let's see what he can do. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. And, and he's definitely a guy that, yeah, it looks like he's got the big time, if you unleash him, possibilities and potential there. And if Pickett will throw the ball down the field and they can protect him, I'd, I'd bet more times than not that, that that'll happen. All right, here's one. They're going to go to a tight endville, right? And it, it's I know who you're going with. You, I know who it is. Yeah, I'm going with Kyle go Pitts. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. Oh, oh. oh you had another one. I, I I say this oh, because no. oh. what what did we we gotta we gotta start using this guy? It, it, it can't be 35 catches for a few hundred yards for the freakiest tight end in football. It's time unleash the ba- the big bastard. Okay, that's what I say, and I say that in the most endearing way because I mean. He's a gigantic human being who can run like a wide receiver. And they've yet to really make him the featured guy in that offense. And I'm hoping with B. John Robinson and that offensive line, they can run the ball. And like P. 
Patriots with Gronk back in the day, start getting linebackers to creep up, and boom, there's Kyle Pitts behind him, let alone finding some more ways to split him out and single him up against guys that way. But he needs to be unleashed, especially, especially if they want Bijan to work and Desmond Ritter, first-year starting quarterback, to work. You know, I was reminded of a time early in our relationship together. Whenever you would refer to someone as a freak, you had this disclaimer that you felt compelled to add. Right. And I was like, why do you feel compelled? I mean, it's not like freak well, is pejorative. Because Bleacher Report was like but way I say, too crazy. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Okay. I know. But they were freaks when it came to using the, the, the term freak. Right. But when you do... Call someone a bastard, it probably is a good idea to throw in that explanation. Yes, I know. That, you that one definitely needs it. Not a word that's typically used in a, in a positive uh, connotation. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to a team we've already talked about today and a guy that doesn't get much buzz, although maybe he should. If you want to get the most out of a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud, how about unleashing running back Damian Pierce and use him and run the ball? Commit to the run. Use him in different ways. He caught the ball 30 times last year for 165 yards to complement his 939 rushing yards. Missed four games due to injury or would have had over 1,000 easily and may have been the offensive rookie of the year. Who knows? Use Damian Pierce. Unleash Damian Pierce. It'll take pressure off of C.J. Stroud and make it easier for him to make the adjustment to the NFL. Yeah, I, 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 I hear that. I mean, he was a lot of fun to watch, right? That damn bowling ball. He's explosive. He was all they had last year. He was all, all they, had. they had. I mean, yes, and they, yes. and a bowling ball in a good way. I mean, you know, just want to make yes. sure that's clear, yeah. right? <laughs> just, uh, but yes, I mean, he he can make you miss in space. He's got a little more speed than you think for a big, thick, powerful running back that way. So uh, I I like that pick a lot. And yeah, with that offense, Shanahan scheme, you would certainly think that he's a guy to say watch out for this year in that offense. All right. I, I got like two pass rushers on my list here that I'm, I want to get into. And I think the one I'm going to pick here is Josh Uche for the New England Patriots. Uche is the most talented pass rusher on the New England Patriots. He didn't even play a lot in each game. He was kind of a situational guy and still had 11 and a half sacks last year. If he's a guy... You know, I would like to, I, you know, New England's tough, right? They, they, oh, this guy's good for this situation. This guy's good for that situation. I don't know. It's a passing league, and you got a guy out there who can get after the quarterback on a consistent basis. He might mess up on a run play every now and then, but he's going to also get you a whole bunch of sacks. I'd like to see them unleash him a little bit more and see him on the field a little bit more percentage of the snaps than I did last year. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one. I like that you worked in a defensive guy because I, had to. I didn't. I got a <laughs> I got a bunch that I can go with because I always come to the table with six just in case three of yours match three of mine. You've got three that I didn't go for today. We may even may be able to do a fourth round here. I'm going to go with my next one, and then we'll we'll maybe clean up some of these other names. And you're going to disagree with me on this, but Gabe Davis, we saw the four-touchdown performance in the playoffs 2021. I think last year his ankle was much worse than we knew. And that impaired his ability to develop into the true compliment to Stephon Diggs. Diggs had some high praise for Gabe Davis earlier in camp. 
that if I wasn't here, he'd be the number one guy, and he's going to break out this year, and this is the year to break out. It's the fourth year and final year of his rookie contract. But we talk all the time about the Bills. Who's going to step up? Who's going to step up? And now they've got Dalton Kincaid to go along with Dawson Knox at tight end. Maybe that gives Gabe Davis even more breathing room as everyone's trying to take Stephon Diggs away. But whether it's Davis stepping up or Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator, getting in the ball, this is the year for Davis to have the kind of season that lifts the offense and addresses some of the concerns that you've had, Chris, ever since Josh Allen became the guy. What are they putting around him? Maybe a healthy Gabe Davis is the thing that will make the difference for the Bills. I, I hope you're right. I do. Uh, because, yeah, that, that he needs to be unleashed or take his game to the next level whatever you want to say or phrase you want to do it, it needs to have a more steady presence within that offense if the Bills want to go to the Super Bowl and win it, right? And to piggyback off that, one of the guys, I was going to pick this guy next just to, but for why we're on the subject, I'll just throw it out there, right? Is James, go ahead. We're going to do another round. All right. James Cook was a guy I, I looked at, right? James Cook, I looked at him and went, they, he needs to be unleashed this year. He needs to be a guy that rushes for a thousand yards and has a few hundred yards receiving the football and becomes a dangerous guy in that category to the point you made about Gabe Davis. They need another element. There's got to be that. I think they thought that might happen a little more quickly with, with James Cook last year. And I think when I was up there in training camp, there was a lot of excitement about him. I thought they, I think they thought he was going to contribute a little more early in the season. He didn't quite get his feet under him. He started to come along as the season progressed, but I still don't think to the capabilities they were hoping. So hopefully he's more comfortable and he can become a real threat out of the backfield for Buffalo. I feel like they never fully commit to the running game. They never fully commit to a running back because Josh Allen is the guy that is there to save the day. And when all else fails, we're going to rely on Josh, not on anybody else to make it happen. Okay, uh, next one for me, Calvin Ridley. And... I think he will be unleashed. I don't think it should be. I don't think it's could be. I think it's will be. He's in the starting lineup along with Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. That's not a surprise, but it shows that the boxes are being checked and he's moving in position to just go off this year. And I just have a weird feeling. You know, when you throw in that extra motivation to yeah. come back and right the wrongs from that gambling suspension whether he wasn't properly informed or whether he just defied the rules, he's got a lot to rectify, and he's ready to do it. He said recently he wants to get his name back. He wants to get his reputation back. There's one way to do it. Go out there and ball out with Trevor Lawrence, and I think he will. And I think that the defenses may be inclined to just take a wait-and-see approach. And they got enough guys to deal with between Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram and Jones and Kirk. Like, you can't cover all those guys. And it may be an opportunity for Ridley to have the biggest year of his career. Yeah, I, 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 I hear you there. And, and with that offense and the way the quarterback looked, and you know, they don't really have that kind of guy. You know, the rest of the group, Christian Kirk is really good and all that. But, yeah, this has got a guy that's got, like, superstar, could lead in the NFL and receiving type talent. Uh, they unleash him. He's healthy, ready to go. Yeah, watch out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got any others that were on your list? Yeah, I do. You know, Jalen Phillips. Jalen Phillips, they had another defensive guy, right? Last year, they didn't play him in all situations all the time. You know, they had traded for Bradley Chubb. 
They have Emmanuel Agba who kind of plays some end of the line of scrimmage. And because of that, Jalen Phillips wasn't on the field as much as he should have been. And you heard me say, towards the end of the year, there was no doubt he was the best pass rusher on the Miami Dolphins. He has got the type of talent to lead the NFL in sacks and be a double-digit sack leader year in and year out. That type of guy. So, yeah, I just unleash him. Keep him on the field this year. You know, don't be so situational. I think he's going to be ready to take that next step. And with him and a healthy Chubb, that's a damn good duo they got in Miami. And Vic Fangio, the new defensive coordinator, probably smart enough to know to take full advantage of the best players that he has at his disposal. When you said earlier tight end, I thought you were going to Big Blue, Darren Waller. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought about it. he's on consider, my list. Yeah. When you consider what they haven't had at the pass catching positions last year, what they didn't have, and you throw Darren Waller in there, holy crap. I, I think he could quite possibly have the biggest season of any tight end, except maybe Travis Kelsey in 2023. But even then, I mean, he becomes the security blanket. He becomes the third down option. He becomes the guy that Daniel Jones is going to be looking for repeatedly as Jones tries to justify his contract and the Giants try to go next level offensively. And Brian Dayball is going to come up with some ways, I think, to use Darren Waller and get the most out of his skills. Yeah, I, he knows how to use the tight end. Coming from New England, Dayball, he gets that. And Darren Waller is, I mean, freak of freaks, right? Anybody I've ever talked to, whether it goes to John Gruden and his staff with the Raiders, whether it goes to Josh McDaniels and his staff with the Raiders, and here with the Giants, there's always awe and amazement. It's about the health. Can he stay healthy? Can that knee stay right? Because when he does, phrases like, he's the best tight end I've ever seen in my life get thrown out to me, right? That's the kind of things I've heard from all three coaching staffs. I've never seen a tight end move like this. I've never seen a tight end run routes like this. And if they get him going with Saquon, uh, yeah, watch out. The G-men will be beating your Vikings in the wild card round once again. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because on fourth and eight, you can count on Kirk Cousins to get you three yards. One other name I'm paying attention to, I'm yeah. not ready to say would, should, or could right. break out this year, but you hear Tutu Atwell of the Rams uh -huh. get mentioned a lot, mm -hmm. and they've got a dearth of talent behind Cooper Cup. It's probably going to be Cup and Van Jefferson, but Tutu Atwell is the name that I just keep hearing. He's He's small, he's thin, but... In the rockets up the ass department, he's got the market cornered, Chris. He, he does. And he's got the potential to be something special if he gets the opportunities and makes the most of it. Yeah, had a few moments of splash last year. He could be that reverse speed sweep guy, the slot guy, and the let's take a shot deep downfield guy. He's he's got he's he's very small, but man, he can fly. So I'm with you there. And here I got one more to even throw in too. That's uh, you know Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys, right? How's that run game going to be? We don't know. There's some issues there. You know, the Zach Martin issue. But, man, they got uh, Brandon Cooks, we know, who's damn good. CeeDee Lamb, who's damn good. If Michael Gallup gets back to being the guy we saw before he hurt his knee, you start to go, damn, that's as good a three as anybody in football, and they'll be tough to defend. Uh, I, he's one that, you know, I hope they can unleash him. I hope he's physically able to be unleashed as well. That's a great call. With C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks there, he's going to be the guy that nobody's really paying exactly. attention to. So right. he's going to have favorable matchups 
uh, from the start of the season until the end of it. Let's go ahead and take a break. A current coach compared his young quarterback to Aaron Rodgers in a very specific way. We'll tell you which way when PFC Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I do think there's similarities, you know. Um, you know, you don't like to compare in this business, and obviously... Aaron Rodgers is in the league of, you know, I mean, Bryce isn't ready to be mentioned in the same sentence as Aaron Rodgers. Um, but the reality is he can, he can, he can do exactly what you said. Like the throw that you're talking about today, that that's an elite throw and how quick it gets out. That's the thing with Aaron. He, he not only can throw at all those arm angles, but the speed at which the ball gets out. There's a, there's a special skill set for that, and, uh, and we believe Bryce has that same skill set. It always cracks me up. And Frank Reich isn't the only one who does this. Kyle Shanahan did it recently with Sam Darnold. Said, you know, I don't want to compare people to Steve Young. But then he goes ahead and compares Sam Darnold to Steve Young. And then I, I should not be using this person's name in the same breath as the all-time great, but I'll go ahead and do it. Like, it's just, it's the reverse of your freak, and I mean that in the best way possible. Yeah, like, right. just go ahead and say it. You're going to say it anyway. Why do you need the pillow before you say what you're going to say? So, uh, the getting the ball out quickly is why they love Bryce Young. Processing. That's right. And getting rid of the ball, because for him it's critical, because they can't afford to get him ragdolled all over the place like Tua we saw what happened last year when quarterbacks get hit. That's the one thing I keep coming back to with Tua. They're doing all this stuff to better prepare him when he gets hit. How about let's come up with ways for him to not get hit. That's why the Panthers didn't hesitate to take Bryce Young despite his size, despite his height. They believe they're not going to have any issues with him getting rid of the football before he gets knocked down to the ground and his head would strike against the turf. Yeah, that's, uh, everybody's excited. He is a great processor. That, that's, you know, undisputed throughout NFL circles. And then 
the release and different releases, uh, they are. They're impressive that way. They, you know, he, he can get the ball out and he's slippery and, and can do those type of things that are, that are awesome. You know, but it, it, it's like we talked about. It, it does look small even out here in practice. And, you know, when there's people around you, people in front of you, and the defense is going to make some calls where, uh, hey, there, there is nobody open sometimes. you got to hang in the pocket and do that. That's when you just got to protect themselves here. But, yeah, all those intangibles and then some tangibles are really eye-popping from Bryce Young. It's just some of the questions we have, they're, they're legit. And can he handle it? And it was it Alabama. Now, what I'll say is a difference than, than Tua is his O-line, I think, is in a better spot than Tua and the Miami Dolphins had it when Tua came there. He doesn't quite have the receivers Tua has right now. But oh, I'm excited to see Bryce Young, and he's another one of these young rookies that this preseason will be important for him to gauge and get a feel for the NFL game. Joint practices yesterday between the Panthers and the New York Jets, the darlings of hard knocks this year, said Aaron Rodgers after spending time with Bryce Young. I love how he carries himself. Carolina is in good hands. So high praise not just from Reich but also from Aaron Rodgers as it relates to a quarterback who really is not all that comparable to Rodgers but in that one key category, processing and get rid of the football quickly, that may be the difference maker. And Rodgers likes what he saw. Yeah, I, I, he appreciates the position, the nuances, a guy knowing where to go with the football, the natural feel of the game, throwing the ball appropriately, right? Now it's it's just like we said, it's the other stuff. Can he hang in there in the pocket when it's collapsing? Can, you know, yeah, you're getting the ball to your hands quick and processing it, but, you know, is it is it right on point? Is it a laser, right? That's the other thing Aaron Rodgers brings to the table here. Not only is it processing and quick, he can get the ball from point A to point B as quick as anybody we've ever seen once the ball comes out of his hands. But, man, I mean, I've seen a number of impressive throws through Bryce Young on, you know, social media and little highlight clips here and there to go, hmm, his arm looks good and maybe a little bit more powerful than I gave it credit for coming out, and, and I hope he can continue to capitalize in that department. Another storyline that emerged yesterday, the day after the debut of Hard Knocks, when the Jets practiced with the Panthers, the notion that the quarterback was flashing some impatience, showing some frustration with his teammates. Here's a little Aaron Rodgers and some quotes from receiver Corey Davis on yesterday's joint practice with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, I thought we were pretty good. I thought we uh, didn't maybe have the same type of energy for whatever reason. Uh, start practice, but I thought there were some good things, a lot of learning uh, yeah, learning tape out there. But I thought you know, it was good to be out there against a different defense. thought we handled the uh, front uh, pretty well in the run game, pass game. There were some issues. I could see that changing, yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's been, like I said, real patient, real, real um, you know, lenient with us and, and, and just working with us and making sure that we get everything down, um, you know, which is what we need. But I can imagine that going the other way you know, if it doesn't pick up. But we're progressing, so looking good. Apparently, there was an aggressive effort by the reporters to get somebody to say something yes. that would suggest Aaron yeah. Rodgers is impatient and he's getting frustrated. And, Chris, I got the easy explanation for it. The Jets are used to the NFL films, cameras, and microphones being there. Yeah. They've gotten used to it. Right. For the Panthers, this is their chance. This is their shot. This is their time 
to get a little play, to get a little attention. Maybe we'll get a couple of seconds in the next episode of Hard Knocks. Everybody's watching us. Let's go out and play harder. That's why the Panthers had more energy than the Jets to start practice. Sure. The Jets are used to the cameras. And for the Panthers, oh, this is different. Oh, let's go show what we can do. That was how Steve Sable used to persuade teams to do hard knocks. They would talk about how Vince Lombardi would tell the NFL Films crews, pretend you're shooting practice. And they say, Coach, there's no film in the camera. It doesn't matter. Just point the camera at the practice and they'll work harder. Yeah, yeah, there, there's something to that. I don't think you're off base there. You know, then you throw in, wait, the Jets have already played a game. They didn't have a shower after the game to relax, <laughs> right? And then, but then, why wouldn't that make it to hard knock? Yeah, right? Why didn't they mention that? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we both know the NFL didn't want that to be talked about. But that, that, you know. And then, hey, yeah, they had to travel to Carolina, so I, I could expect them to be tired. And then you add in what you're talking about: the juice around the the event, the cameras, the hard knocks being there. Wait, we, a young team in Carolina. We got a chance here to measure ourselves against a team that a lot of people are putting in the Super Bowl conversation with an all-time great quarterback. We, so there was a lot of things I think that played in their favor to have more energy that way. Uh, and I'm not surprised to hear Rodgers get a little frustrated. That Carolina D is good, and I'm sure that Jets offense isn't quite where he likes it yet. And it's a little bit like we talk about with enemy, right, Mike? Like Rodgers knows what it's going to take at least to – be looking like a legit, woo, we're dangerous type of offense. And I think he'll continue to poke, you know, poke the bear and poke the hot poker there on guys and until he gets it in the right spot. Roger's entire demeanor changes when he's tiptoeing through a verbal minefield. It's a hostage <laughs> video element, isn't it? He's no longer loose. The country accent doesn't slip in. Everything's very measured and very careful, and he's hypersensitive to what he's saying because he knows how it's going to be interpreted and doesn't want to create the impression the honeymoon's over. The honeymoon isn't over. What happened yesterday was the Panthers got their chance for an HBO NFL Films close-up, and the Jets had gotten numb to it. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's as, as simple as an explanation as we can come up with, and in cases like this, it may be exactly accurate. The Panthers had more juice because – Somebody's finally paying attention to us. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy. The Panthers got a lot to prove, right? They got a rookie quarterback. They got a new head coach who's trying to, you know, instill a, a different culture there. You know, and then you talk about oh, they got a bunch of defensive guys. They got some freaky defensive guys, and all they've heard the start of training camp for the NFL this year is about Rodgers and Garrett Wilson and uh, Alan Lazard and all the weapons the Jets have, and this offense will look different. So you don't think they hear that and want to rise to the occasion? You know it, Mike. So uh, it's, a, it's a shame. It sounds like today's weather, or they have a weather problem down there in Carolina, Canceled. Right? Canceled. You know, yes. I would expect that, yeah, the Jets would have come out with more energy and tried to, you know, put things back into place a little bit today and, and try to get, you know, we'll, we'll try to win the day against Carolina, but they're not going to get that chance today. I can only hope that in the next episode of Hard Knocks, Liv Schreiber will say, unlike after the Hall of Fame game when they could not get a shower on Thursday, they could walk outside and have a free shower during the storms <laughs> or something more eloquent. Yeah, more I think he could find a better way than, than, yeah. than you yeah. did there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm still, I still am curious about this whole picket line thing. How does Liv Schreiber's presence on Hard Knocks and the writing of the scripts, how does that mesh with this ongoing strike? But that's a, 
that's that's something for me to stir up on another day. We're going to take a break. When we return, Bengals coach Zach Taylor has an update on quarterback Joe Burrow, unless, of course, he doesn't. We'll let you hear what Taylor had to say next here on PFT Live. Jalen Ramsey on Friday was out there with, with no crutches and with no leg brace, just a sleeve on his left leg. Is he ahead of schedule? Has his return date no, not changed? There's been a, um, a slew of uh, <laughs> crutches thievery in Miami Gardens. No, um, his, his, uh, again, it's a beautiful bounce because I love where Jalen's at. He is attacking everything. I love that I can depend on our training staff to know that that leads someone vulnerable to overexerting at the stage. So um, that balance is is been doing excellent right now. Um, he is, in terms of ahead, I I think um, if I if I say ahead of schedule to our head trainer, he might open hand slap me because he doesn't believe in that. He believes in he's doing well at this juncture, but you have to go through steps and plateaus. You know, um, he, he was ar- already resisting the crutches when he had the crutches. Um, I pointed out to him that his triceps could use the work, but he, he didn't agree. And um, you know, his, his spirits are great. Um, and he is, you know, it speaks to him like... You know, how many other guys do you see um, with a, a timetable such as his um, having ownership of the team and his guys more than Jalen Ramsey? You know, I think it speaks to the type of individual, the type of leader um, that we have on the team and um, the fact that you guys have a visual aid of his recovery and that he's not on crutches speaks to who he is. Um, and what this what this team and this locker room is about. He really is one of a kind. He really is. And I <laughs> just the demeanor, his attitude, there's no other coach like him. There hasn't been, there won't be, and who knows whether there will be again. But Mike McDaniel in only his second season, providing an explanation only he can in response to the simple question of, Guys off crutches is his rehab ahead of schedule. Yeah, he's uh, he is he's unique. Uh, we've never seen a coach be that open and just kind of be themselves quite to the extent he is. You know, to the point sometimes where I go, you know, is, is it he talks so much and some of his answers are so long winded? I'm impressed he doesn't get himself in trouble every now and then with something he says or whatever. But he's extremely te- intelligent too, and obviously has some sort of filter between his brain and his mouth to where he, he never seems to falter that way, and it, it is quite impressive. Can't hide money. Not trying, Not trying to. to. One of the all-time great lines Been of the offseason. Been poor my whole life. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, a little segment here that we're going to call You May Fold Under Questioning, an homage to Goodfellas, <laughs> when, when Henry Hill uh, – doesn't quite realize that Tommy DeVito is messing with him. And Tommy says, Henry, I worry about you. You may fold under questioning. Here is Zach Taylor not folding under questioning when he is asked again about Joe Burrow's calf injury and when he might be back. Timeline's still the same as it has been. 
there an update on what you expect from that? Well, I mean, the timeline is several weeks from when I said several weeks. So we'll just remain. We'll let that play out. I mean, I said it'll be several weeks from when I said it would be several weeks. Okay, so it'll be several weeks from when you said several weeks. What is it from now? How about that? Because you said several weeks two weeks ago. So what is it now, coach? And comments like that, and he says it with a little bit of a wry smile. I get it. He's a funny guy. Funny how. Do I amuse you? But it does create concern. And it makes me think Jamar Chase, when he was recently throwing around the idea of Joe Burrow coming back after week five, maybe he has heard something. Because if you're not going to tell us what his current status is, and you have no obligation to do so under the rules, but if you don't, we're going to say something's going on here. Yeah, yeah. There, this may not be a pizza party. Yeah, that, right, right. You know, Zach Taylor had a little grin, but also had a little, you know, annoyed look on his face, too. It wasn't just like, oh, a grin. And, you know, that was one where you look at it and go, yeah, there, there's something there to it. And listen, this ain't my first rodeo. I'm not saying I know everything in football, but the term several weeks does not get thrown around very much in football. Several weeks? I I would like to go back. I mean, you can look at coaches forever. That's not a thing. That was the first inkling that had me concerned last week. It's rare. Two to three weeks, four to six weeks. They're not sure if it's going to be four or eight weeks. They don't know right now. And I think that's why Jamar Chase is saying that. And I think they're, you know, without telling you, yeah, the injury is somewhat significant there. And start of the season, I'm concerned already. I'm not sure he's going to be there. And we'll see where this goes. You're right, though. We hear day-to-day. We hear week-to-week. And if it's ever several weeks in the season, what happens is he goes on injured reserve because now you can claw guys back, certain number of guys. It changes every damn year. I need a refresher at some point on what the rules are this year. But he'd be on IR by now, and we'd be waiting for him to come off of it. Yeah, you don't say several weeks. And when you compound that with the timeline is several weeks from when I said several weeks, you're just encouraging people to say something is fishy here. Agreed. And this is going to be Trevor Simeon at Cleveland week one. Uh, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see where it goes. And uh, like I said, yeah, I think that's cryptic language, right? Uh, the AFC North, we've talked about that. The AFC in general, uh, I don't care who you are. Uh, you lose a few games early in the year, you could be in big, big trouble. You're going to have to go on some sort of run at the end of the year to get back in the one, two, three seed type picture there. So we'll see where this goes. But yeah, if I'm a Bengals fan right now, I'm I'm definitely a little concerned about the status of Joe Burrow early in the season. Only other explanation would be possibly. It's not that bad of an injury. Burrow said, I'm not setting foot on the practice field until I get my contract. So it's up to you when I come back. And if you want to take several weeks to give me my contract, go ahead and take several weeks. That would be the only other explanation. But I think it's more that he's injured to a greater extent yeah. than they're willing to admit. Uh, also, folding under questioning, although <laughs> he was given a softball question two days ago. Remember, we played it yesterday, Chris, and we thought this was either planted or expected. He said exactly what he wanted to say. I'm talking about Ron Rivera with his take on the internal criticism of offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Yesterday, Rivera walked back that that comment about Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. Um 
the question is, does this episode actually help or hinder Eric Bieniemy's effort to become a head coach, even with the apology and the attempt to put the toothpaste back in the tube by Ron Rivera? It's like what it does now is to me totally puts a spotlight on the performance of the offense. And now it gives somebody, everybody, you know, a way to go according to how that goes. Oh, it's great. The offense is kicking butt. Well, that's because he worked hard and he was hard on these guys and he changed the culture there. And that'll be the positive. But if it's not so great, it's going to be the opposite. And that's what Ron Rivera has done. He's kind of opened that conversation to go either way. We get through three or four weeks, and it's like, well, he, you know, he rules with an iron fist. It might have been too tough on these guys. These guys aren't buying in on the message, you know, because he's been so hard and cutthroat that way. That's what I didn't love about it. It opened up Pandora's box. Yeah, now she's out, she's there, and it's given everybody some crap to talk about. I had somebody reach out to me yesterday in response to the Rivera comments and the effort to clean them up and say that basically, and this is just an opinion, he's, he's sealed his fate. I can't imagine a worse move by a head coach with a new owner during training camp was the observation. that was It just wasn't necessary. Was very- I don't know what the and, point and- was. And like you said, you know, you said it right yesterday. You should have just been like, you know what? Yeah, he's coaching them hard. Damn straight. Right. Damn we straight. We haven't had that. We've been crap on That's why we hired him. Right. That's why we hired I him. I don't know why he did it either. <laughs> Shocking. I, I'm a defensive guy. I need a great offensive coordinator, and why not get the guy that's been to five straight AFC championships? We haven't been to an NFC championship as an organization since 1991. This guy's been to the last five. I think he knows a thing or two about whipping an offense into shape. That's all you got to say. I I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't get it. That's the way coaches usually talk. I mean, that's, that's, that's the shocking thing. You know, that's where, yeah, I don't understand what was trying to be done, and that's what makes us, you and I, question whether there was ulterior motives, something else going on there, because it just, uh, yeah, in the bylaws of the NFL, one, you don't do that. Two, you respect the guy that's been kicking ass in football, and you go, you know, maybe we should, you know, write down a few things of what he's doing because he's kind of killing it lately, and uh, that, that's where it's, it's all a little mind-blowing. You want to hear my conspiracy theory? This may not be a pizza <laughs> dun, 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 you hear, you Yeah, yeah. Is it as simple as Ron Rivera's thinking, you know what? They may fire me and make him the head coach next year. Is it as simple as that? I, you know. I, I, better, I better quit talking this guy up. <laughs> yeah, they may realize, why do we have you as the head coach? Let's just make Eric Bieniemy the head coach. Because you know what's going to happen, Chris? If he does a great job, yeah. bye-bye Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know, you've had crazier conspiracies. I don't, you know, circle here, line <laughs> Thank here. You. Circle here. Thank you. I don't think this is the craziest this one. This one's simple. This <laughs> one's simple. We stand to lose Eric Bieniemy. Uh, so let's make him the head coach. And Ron Rivera is starting to think, oh, they're asking me a lot of questions about Eric Bieniemy. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a break. A little Big Ten trivia. If you haven't heard, NBC's got Big Ten games coming this year. Some conspiracy-based, uh, maybe not, trivia questions next here on PFT Live. What were your conversations like with Coach Harbaugh when you decided and you told him, you know what, I want to come back, or you talked it through with him? I know that was a big decision for you. Yeah, big, big decision, and, uh, you know, I went up to Coach Harbaugh's office 
said, can I get some advice, coach? You know, cause he's that type of guy. You can just sit down. He'll keep it real with you. I was like, you know, what would you do? Would you declare or would you come back? And he was like, what do you, it's up to, what do you want? You know, what do you want out of all of this? You know, and I started thinking about what he said and, you know, I came back. But, you know, uh, Coach Harbaugh's always, you know, been there for me. And, um, you know, it, it was great getting some advice from him. And, you know, now that I'm back, you know, when I, when I told him, I called, you know, Coach, I'm coming back, you know, he, he was happy. He was happy, man. How much of that was unfinished business for you? Uh, all, all of it. You know, unfinished business on the football field, unfinished business in my degree, you know, unfinished business in the community. All of it was unfinished, you know. So now I'm back. Uh, getting, I got my degree. Uh, you know, now it's football season and in the community too. And so, you know, that's, those are my focuses right now, you know, unfinished business. Hey, Blake Corum, you may have thought about starting your NFL business given everything that's going on at the running back position. Different issue altogether. You'll see Blake Corum on the field at the Big House, East Carolina and Michigan. Chris Sims on the call with Mike Tirico. Good Lord, Tirico's slumming it on September 2nd. (laughs) Tennessee State at Notre Dame on Peacock at 3.30 that day, and then West Virginia will get its ass kicked by Penn State that evening. You know, there have been two times, two times, that West Virginia has beaten Penn State in the past 60 years, and I was at both games. Oh, the wow. The only two West Virginia-Penn State games I've ever gone to. Yeah, it's, hey, yeah, it's, it's not a matchup you see a, a whole lot, right? Should uh, I go to this one? I think you should. should. I go to yeah, this you're one? You're such a good luck charm. Yeah, you should go, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. College football is around. Like we said, preseason, college football is that far, and I'm excited to do that game with Tariqa. I'm getting him ready. He's going to carry me. So, and this will be a good practice session for him. So then life will be that much easier when he gets with Collinsworth. Is your dad going to be sitting there with his hand ready to slap over your mouth before you go F-bomb Regis Philbin style? <laughs> that may be necessary. Oh, well, uh, we need to work on the delay for this one. We'll see. We'll see. All I right. got Tariko there to save me as always. So he'll, he'll keep me in check. A couple of quick trivia questions since we promised trivia in this block. Who has the most career NFL touchdowns by any player from the Big Ten. Do you know, Chris? Well, because I'll admit I don't. Well, I mean, we're talking about Tom Brady, right? I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the guy? Not passes? No, so no. It's Not just passes. NFL. Scored. R- mm, rushing. I mean, uh, receiving. That's all. All he did. Oh, it's catch all he touchdowns. Did. It was Chris Carter. I was going to go with Chris Carter. So that's good. Okay. I should have known that one. Yeah. I should have known that one. I, High I, State. Yep. Uh, one more. Among active players, who has the most career NFL passing touchdowns by somebody who played at a Big Ten. I'm going to say that's Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson, Wisconsin. There you go. Go Hawks. And then the next one is the last MVP from the Big Ten. Not you name Brady. Other than Tom Brady. Yeah. Other than Tom Brady. That one there has got my brain spinning right now, and we might have to leave that to the next segment and give the answer there because I don't know it. So it's killing me. We'll, We'll We'll kick it. I'm going to ponder it as well. We'll give you the answer to that one when PFT Live continues right after this. Okay. All right. It's a Big Ten Day. Show us your Big Ten pride. Hashtag Big Ten Day. The question is, the last Big Ten MVP, the last NFL MVP from a Big Ten school other than Tom Brady. We figured out one of them, although it's a technicality because Maryland wasn't in the Big Ten at the time that Boomer Esiason went there, but he was the NFL MVP in 1988. So that answers that. 
from the New Age Big Ten. Traditional Big Ten, Chris. I, last NFL MVP. I, I really don't know who the hell it is. I'm wow. stuck. Wow. I am wow. stuck. Do you know? Wow. Wow. Something, something had a terrible Super Bowl and lost it, and something that Kirk Cousins will never do, even though he went to the same school. Earl Morrill. Oh, my gosh. Wow. My yep. son and I, I were just talking about him one. the other day. Way He's a grid game cheat code. Earl Morrill. Play for a bunch of teams. See you Friday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.